0: Back on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Go, go. I
0: don't know if you knew this or not, but this contains alcohol.
1: It does. Mm-hmm. Highlander. Strange IPAs. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes for Made. My name is Brett Bloom, and I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch, fresh off of work, Kristen Bloom.
0: I don't know, I'd say fresh. <laughs> Crawling into the door off of work.
1: Ah, well, we'll get, we'll get the energy rolling. How was your day?
0: It was long, <laughs> it's only Tuesday. Um, Yeah, it was all right. Just, was work. <laughs> yeah.
1: No fun. You've been having to do um, late-night works all week this week, and then maybe <sighs> get a little morning. bit of free time.
0: Yeah, um... I don't know. I am maybe took on a little bit more than I could realistically (laughs) handle, um, with the wedding edits, uh, it's kind of been biting me on the ass for like a good month now, so I'm just fucking exhausted, but I think this week will be the last of the other shit that I'm behind on, and I'll be caught back up, and...
1: Then you'll fall behind again.
0: Yeah, I'll probably (laughs) immediately proceed to fall right back behind, so... I'm going to perpetuate the cycle of just being tired. (laughs) Well,
1: I have full faith in you love. You're doing a great job and I'm incredibly proud. Thank you. But while Kristen does that, I'm not sitting around on my fat, lazy ass, not getting any work done myself. I didn't get any typing done, but I did. um, I've got a brand new legal pad for the new story that we talked about on the last episode uh, with my little magic dude. And, uh, I sat down on the couch with that, and I watched UFC four,
0: you
1: know, <laughs> the nineties because I I like the UFC. But it's watching those so
0: cheesy. yeah,
1: watching those really old ones, I can just kind of zone in and out because I know nothing terribly impressive is going to happen.
0: Roundhouse, <laughs> roundhouse tackle,
1: <laughs> roundhouse tackle. That was a roundhouse punch. <laughs> Did You see him? He's trying to gouge out his eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh- <laughs> it's pretty. Good, <laughs> so I put that on as all, like almost background music, and then. Um, I had my legal pad out with me, and I jotted down almost an entire page of notes.
0: Nice. Yeah,
1: I was pretty excited about was
0: it. Was it character development or story uh, development? M- or? Mostly
1: character development. Um, I haven't had a character like this guy, uh, maybe ever. I've had characters that I've been obsessed with, but as like you've pointed out before, some of them are like more cathartic type characters. They're not like, true fictional representations of stuff. This one, to me, feels like one of the first times that I've actually got something that's, you know, unique and it's not directly tied to any aspect of myself. So, like, when I wrote the novel that never got published, The Nightmare Box, and the other one that I don't think you've ever read and I don't talk about very much, it was basically just a, a murder fest, just a gore fest about yeah, murdering child pedophiles. For the record. Not child pedophiles. Not pedophiles.
0: <laughs> Get in my van. For the record, I am not that big of a douche. I did not say your writing was cathartic. (laughs) I just pointed out there's some real world stuff in there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, like I, in the book, the guys. father dies on a respirator in the hospital, and I was writing those as my dad was dying in a hospital. So stuff like that is more what I meant. You know, this one is not tied to me at all. I don't know any magic. I'm not good at magic. I don't know a whole lot about circuses. But I'm getting to learn about them as I kind of go along. You didn't even
0: go to the fair as a child.
1: I didn't even go to the fair as a child. What
0: is wrong with you?
1: Apparently... Nobody want, I, I opened up on the Facebook asking people to tell me their scary fair stories and the only one that happened was uh, she was on the Ferris wheel and the Ferris wheel stopped moving. Oh. And I was like, I can fuck with that. I can do something there. But like, well, most it's the people classic rom-com. Go
0: to the fair to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think most people are <laughs> traumatized by the fair.
1: Well, I wanted people that were traumatized. By so if you're out there and you're traumatized by the fair, you can send us an email at
0: gmail,
1: And tell me all about it. I might use your story. Um... But yeah, so a lot of last night was character development because so I've got to feel around for this guy that I feel like I'm getting to know that lives inside my head now. So I sat down, and of course he's perfect because
0: I told you my scary one. I must fell on the mega loop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got. Do you want to tell that one?
0: I mean, it's not that interesting. No. I just almost fell out of the loop. <laughs> The loop. Har- the harness
1: didn't lock in right. That Was that right?
0: Uh, I was too small for the harness. Yeah. Like it, it was locked in. It just didn't close tight enough for my size. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that's your job to tell that story. You make that interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told so, it yeah. to you,
0: so you could make it yeah, interesting. Stuff
1: like that. And then like when I was a kid, like I did go to theme parks. Like, I lived in San Antonio when I was a kid, and we went to uh, Six Flags. <laughs> And they had, I don't know if they still do have, like, this big roller coaster that just goes way up and then fucking flings you way down and then goes way up. And my dad basically had to, like, hold my head against the seat because I blacked out after, like, the second drop. I don't remember any parts of it. The only story elements I have are from my dad, like, basically slapping me awake at the end of the roller coaster ride. Those
0: little pictures you get at the end of the roller coaster, just him, like,
1: holding your head up. (laughs) Just me, dead man arms flailing around in the fucking sky. (laughs) And um, so, like that's my my own experience with it. But my character is perfect for listening to those old UFCs. Like that's one of the things I realized last night. Cause it's got a very pro wrestling um, type atmosphere on the show, and I'm trying to write about no offense, like a, a white trash esque. Upbringing.
0: Why are you saying and, no offense to me? No, just what you to the people mean, in
1: general. Like, what you, what if are you, you saying, if, Brett Bloom? if you're a fair person. You,
0: know. <laughs> you look directly at me and said no offense.
1: <laughs> if your stomach like, rumbles when you smell funnel cake in no, the middle of the day.
0: No offense to my wet, wet.
1: <laughs> your wet? <white.
0: laughs> my my, white, my trash. white
1: trash. upbringing.
0: <laughs> my white trash wife. <laughs> I think I just <laughs> like... <laughs> I walked myself right into that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, uh, it gave me a couple of things where I could kind of hear the way that he would talk. Like when this, I can't remember who it was that came on the TV. And I was like, that's what my dude sounds like. And I realized now I can tell you guys the name of the character because I have to change the character's name. So he was initially known as Marvelous Marty. Why you change that? That was his stage name. Because I was flipping through the Amazon Prime and realized that there's a show called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I felt like I was stealing their alliteration. So now I have to change the name. Yeah. Marvelous is already out there in the zeitgeist. I need something else.
0: (laughs) Marvelous was an existing word before that (laughs) show.
1: I might change it. I might not change it. That might be the real character's name. I don't know yet. But something about this one guy talked kind of gave me like a voice for him almost in my head. Like kind of a...
0: should name him the Odd Osborne.
1: The Odd Osborne. Ozzy Osborne. The Odd Ozzy Osborne. (laughs) (laughs) He's in the black church, the the dark church instead of the black Sabbath. Uh, But it got me thinking a lot about character development because I would have like these little questions that I would ask myself, you know, where did he grow up? Where did his dad grow up? And the important thing here that I want to distinguish between is um, developing the character and backstory inside the finished product. Because like we were talking about last night, um a lot of the backstory that I'm trying to write right now to understand my character will never end up in the final product, right? Like, I can have a conversation with you um, without bringing up, like, growing up on Air Force bases as a child, but because I grew up on Air Force bases as a child, I have certain mannerisms about me because of where you grew up. You have certain mannerisms about a you. <laughs> You're a
0: watt. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Watt. <laughs> No, and I think we've talked about that on other podcasts before. Um,
1: but it affects the overall shell of the person yeah. without me having to go, I'm sorry I did that, I'm a Leo, or whatever. <laughs>
0: I'm a Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we've talked about that on other podcasts before. I think whenever we were talking about developing characters in general and how like, I should be able to, in theory, be like, oh, mm-hmm. did your character have any siblings? Or Yeah. Are your character's parents still alive? Or what was your character's 15th birthday party like? Mm -hmm. And you should kind of know generally. I mean, maybe not explicit, detailed answers, but you should kind of generally know. You would know know if it
1: was a joyous event or if somebody was somber. Yeah.
0: Or if your character's mom is dead or, you know, whatever. Like, you would ideally kind of know generally what your character's life was like but none of
1: that actually has to wind up in the finished project unless it's relevant to exactly what's going on there Mm -hmm. so i've got a couple of things here and we can kind of bounce them back and forth see if you've got ideas maybe other things that i'm not looking at as far as character development like the birthday parties i think that's a great example um everybody's family has like little quirks and sayings and secrets so, like, I think to have a fully rounded out main character, you've got to kind of know those. And I'm not going to share your family secrets or my family secrets into the microphone or anything like that. But there are those things that get talked about in the hushed tones. You know, maybe you have a, a drug-addicted uncle or, you know. I
0: thought we weren't going to share my family secrets. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Jesus, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like a drug-addicted uncle or, like, uh, you and your family all went to the same church and then the priest, you know. No, I don't know. What did he do? He raped a child. (laughs) And uh, maybe, like, you and the parish know that this has happened, but for reasons, you know, whatever. Uh, Jeez, There were never any attempts to bring that to justice, or maybe you couldn't bring that to justice, so now it's a community secret. Things like that, I think, are really healthy for developing the character. You know, did he... Like, what was his introduction to love like? You know, what was the loss of virginity, what was the first main trauma or the first really, you know, joyous event. Like for me, um, I've got a, it's easier for me to think about because I've been working on the memoir type project. Um, But when I was a kid and I couldn't tell you how young i was but it was really young because my brother's three years older than me and he i have like picture him in my mind like he would sit on the bench and like his feet wouldn't like get to the end of the bench type small and we went on this fishing trip with my dad where we were out in florida and we went out in what i thought was a huge boat but i was a child so it was probably a small little fishing boat um and we had our three little poles you know like little Mickey Mouse pole and Bugs Bunny pole and my dad's like actual professional (laughs) fishing pole. And we all dipped into the water. We were sitting on these benches eating um, like wet bread sandwiches out of a cooler. You know how like when you've got ice and sodas and then you put the sandwiches in how it makes the crust a little soft.
0: Disgusting. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But little details like that going somewhere. Um,
0: Sticking to the back of your throat.
1: Yeah. And so we're trying to choke down these like peanut butter sandwiches that are all like pasty and uh ben's my little brother his reel just goes fucking berserk so dad like stands up grabs the pole it's trying to help ben reel in this fish and when they get it it's a um like one of those little sharks mud shark or whatever it was and that was the only fish we caught that day ben accidentally caught a mud shark and we had to cut it loose (laughs) that's the whole story but that happened you know (laughs) and so like sometimes when i'm talking to my brother not very often something like that some anecdote from our childhood will come up into the conversation and there's something that happened in our dynamic there that i think is maybe more apropos for the memoir about my baby brother um catching a shark instead of anybody catching a fish do you have like little things like that like Little bonded moments. I mean, of course you do, but... Um, With, like, one of your siblings and, like, a parent.
0: I think I'd probably have to put some thought into any one specific memory because you had time to think about that ahead of time, and I did not. Um, I I do think, though... I
1: didn't have that written down on my piece of paper. So,
0: but you knew you were going to bring it up. (laughs) Um, I I think there are kind of general, wider things. Like, if I... um, which I'm not the writer, but if I was going to try to write a character, like, those might come to mind first. Like, I guess, for instance, I'm the youngest of three. Um, my family is pretty much all women. Um, mm-hmm. Even my extended family, I have, like, two boy cousins, um, and a nephew, and pretty much the whole rest of my family is women. And I think there's a bit of a stereotype when you're the youngest that you kind of get coddled and quite literally baby mm-hmm. And, uh... I don't know. I didn't really have that experience. Like, um maybe because my family is predominantly women there are a lot of strong women in my family and like a lot of um independent women and i like i feel like i kind of had that experience growing up where it was like whether you wanted to be or not you kind of had to learn how to be Mm -hmm. independent and so like as an adult like um that's kind of carried with me and like whenever people offer to help with things that I can do myself I, I'm kind of like mm, you
1: get a little nervous not. about
0: it yeah we get, I just it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like I like I could do it though like mm-hmm. I don't I don't need help <laughs>
1: yeah and that's a perfect example you know growing up around the strong women that are you know independent in nature is the reason why you know even after a long day at work after dinner you find yourself behind the computer trying to keep up with uh, these responsibilities that you've You know, placed yourself in position to have. And it's a major reason of why I love you. So that's a fantastic example for that. I love you. you. Um, But like little quirks and sayings. Like that's what I was trying to come up with today. And I don't have one just yet. Or I do. I, I got a word the other day that I'm in love with. It's a double contraction. It's definitely not supposed to be used in the English language. But it's such a strange little... Uh, word, and I know I can use it um, throughout the story. Is kind of that is this character's little quirk, but in my family, I mean, my mom is hilarious. She's a little English lady. She says the word "asshat," and a, to me, the funniest <laughs> goddamn thing in the world. So, like, that would be one of my mom's like but little you say, sayings. You
0: say love, and that's not really as common. I do, mm-hmm.
1: I do. Um, So I guess, yeah, that one works for me, but there's this, there's a family friend, um, my dad was in the military with, and he has, I hope he still has it, because I, I plan to fuck with him relentlessly, um, (laughs) this boat that he got and i believe initially he set out to do reupholstery on the boat but the boat sat for so long that mechanically it started to fail left and fucking right and by the time he got it mechanically set the upholstery had rotted off of it sitting you know <laughs> and thus restarted the whole problem and my dad before he got sick him and the family friend um would go out and work on the boat, which was basically my dad grabbing tools, drinking beer, and making fun of his friend. And every family get together, it was so. Uh, how's the boat doing? Did for, you take the
0: boat out this weekend? Yeah,
1: for fucking ten years, my dad fucked with this guy about his boat. So like, that's one of those like memories that it was consistent. It's not a quirk or a saying, I guess, but it, it it's like a like a reoccurring type of anecdote
0: mm-hmm. where if
1: I was gonna tell the story of their relationship I could not get around the boat metaphor or like with my memoir I can't get around the um, the jeep metaphor like that has to be a huge part of the story so do you have like does does your mom have like a funny turn of phrase or something? I'm
0: trying to remember I can't Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's got to be something I can't really think of anything now that you've kind of put me on the spot I do know my niece when she was a Still pretty little, um, probably like five, six, maybe all the way up to even ten. She did it for quite a while, though. Uh, she was the only grandchild and the <laughs> only like niece or nephew or anything like that, too, so she was pretty spoiled as a kid, but she would... Play like fake karate with my dad. She'd actually be kind of rough sometimes. She'd she'd uh, she'd hit you pretty hard, but they called it we watcha. We watcha. So she wouldn't say like she wanted to like play fight or she wanted to do karate or whatever. She'd be like, Papa, let's we watcha. That was like a thing she'd always do whenever she'd come over. She'd like do these weird wave karate hands. She'd be like, we watcha, Papa.
1: And that's something that they'll have for like the entirety of their relationship, in all likelihood. Like that'd be that's something funny at sixteen, you know, to to keep up that little trend, and like as a staple of their relationship. And then telling the story of those two, you can't tell it without we watcha. Yeah, That
0: was
1: pretty cute, brilliant. But then
0: she'd whop you
1: pretty good, and it'd be like, <laughs>
0: "Okay, we're done. We watcha." <laughs> that's all I can take of that.
1: God damn! Um, another consideration that I've got. Going on here? Oh, can I? no, I don't want to tell that story. I'll tell you after if you go family secret. I think I've already told secret you. time. Secret time. <laughs> it would be hilarious if I just hit mute and then we came back and you were crying and it's like <laughs> God, that's horrific. Why would you? Have... <laughs> um, what Those were are your... the
0: fond memories of our relationship. Yeah. All the times Brett traumatized me.
1: <laughs> uh, what are the major traumas and the major fortunes that your character would have gone through? in the past to make them who they were like I was a much different person I know I harp on it all the time yeah dad's dead we get it dummy um I was a much different person until the age of 25 and then when that happened it was like I became a different human being and so there's parts of me that can relate to the person that I was before that but I physically carried his body out of the bed and that changed me for the rest of my life it it I I think in a positive way for the most part, there was, of course, like a year that I lived in a blackout, getting in fistfights, feeding sandwiches in my closet. Probably not the best, you know. Recourse. You're gonna have to
0: go back a few episodes if you're a new listener. <clears throat>
1: yeah, I've got bipolar disorder. I snapped. Um, but like in the end, I think it made me a, a kinder person, especially when it comes to topics like grief and death. Like it gave me a really intense glimpse into that. So when situations like that occur, I've become kind of the person that my friends go to. Like, Brett, I know you've been through this. Like, let's, you know. So that's changed it. But there's also been great fortunes in life, you know. Maybe the fortune in that situation is being able to develop into a kinder, more gentle, pot-smoking, Ram (laughs) Um, (laughs) Dass-listening-to-asshole. But if you take a a hard-scrap kid... You know type situation, and you give him a gangload of money as a character he 's not going to know how to in the immediate deal with having the money he might spend it all, he might save it all because he's terrified of losing it, and gradually that will make a change to the character. My life situation's changed chapter one beginning of the basic hero's journey type stuff right. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, if you take a trust fund kid who finds out that his bank account is empty, he doesn't know how to operate within the real world, in the immediate. But he will. So like that good fortune, good trauma, and how that changes you in the immediate, how you learn to adapt to that. If you've got that in the history, it'll be a bit easier for you to think about your character's development, the actual arc of the story you're currently telling. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and it's kind of... um... I think with real life, and this is this is going to be a little nerdy, so excuse me. <laughs> um, I think with real life, ideally, real people in those situations are growing and making better choices. And that's kind of the outcome you want for your own life mm-hmm. is that. Um,
1: you stood up to the tra- great adversity yeah, like and came Charles out better and for
0: it. Tribulations yeah. help you grow as a person where if all you have is ease and comfort, you kind of stay stagnant.
1: I don't like the people where something really, really, really bad happens, and they don't become nicer for it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to name names, but I know a person who it's like, they weren't a nice person, and then their house burned down, and everybody became charitable to them, and they stayed not a nice person.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, realistically, some people don't grow, and some Just people curmudgeon. don't change. <laughs> um, I think in a perfect world, though, like real-life humans, um, while complex, or learning to better themselves and I think especially Mm -hmm. if you experience adversity firsthand like I've like gone through like struggles in my life too Mm -hmm. that I like I'm still learning um but I would ideally like to say made me a more conscious person um I think it's fun when you're trying to develop a character though that whole like um which is kind of a gamer thing but that whole like concept of like your character being um, chaotic good or chaotic bad or chaotic mm-hmm. neutral or, you know, whatever. Because then you kind of get to play with, like, bad thing happens to character. Or what is character's nature? So yeah. does is character kind of all over the place but a fairly decent person? Mm-hmm. And so then do they kind of, like, just go with it? Or are they, like, kind of inwardly a negative bad person so they take this bad thing and make it worse for other people, too? Yeah. So I think that's kind of fun. Like if... In the
1: superhero movies, like that Venom. Type character, yeah. yeah. Or, or so I'm taking this pain out on the world type person.
0: Yeah, or if your character is just truly a good person, it is kind of that hero's journey where it's like, oh, bad thing happens, mm-hmm. and then ultimately your character comes out better for it. But it is kind of fun, I think, because um, you have to in your story basically have some kind of adversity, whether it's happening to yeah. your main character or the surrounding characters, because otherwise, nothing's happening in your story. Yeah, you don't have a plot.
1: <laughs> yeah, You've got a cool dude to hang um, out with. <laughs> but right,
0: like I think that's a fun kind of premise to toy with is if you have a foundation for your character's personality you can introduce situations Mm -hmm. and sort of know based on your character's personality where they're going to go with it and it's not always growth you know
1: and it's not always consistent you know might do something that shocks them out of fear you know that's why i went
0: with the chaotic category because chaotic is like Yeah. Kind of all over the place versus like
1: neutral good. And I wish I'd written down some notes on that because that that really does open up a good box. Um, But in the novel Misery, which we're going to bring up Stephen King a couple of times on accident while I was reading the notes or when I was writing the notes, I was listening to KingCast. Uh, They just did an interview with Stephen King. So like I was I had King on the brain while I was trying to come up with character development notes. And, um, like in Misery, is it Paul? Is I that his name? So. Yeah. What If not, it begins with a P. It's in my Something P Something very similar. Yeah. Um, he's kind of an asshole, you know, like he's hyper famous for the Misery books and is kind of sick of fame type thing, um, is humbled by his run in with the fanatic, char- or fanatic um, fan. Who cuts his fucking feet off, and he, you know, has to kill her, and like all this shit, he comes out the other side of this. Uh, but there's not really like a, a violence to his nature until he's pushed to this extreme level of violence.
2: Yeah.
1: And if I remember the end of the novel correctly, it like kind of destroys his life because he had to overcome this evil by going one step above the evil. Um,
0: even the Which book, ultimately, he's still, or even in the film, he's still hallucinating her.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like something like that. You've got this large level push towards chaos that is out of nature of what they would actually do. You know, a really nice person put in a situation or read a story. I wish I could remember where it came from, but I read one earlier today. Of a uh, a liquor store robbery where the guy wrestled, got the gun away from the robber, and shot the robber. Like, that was not that guy's mourning. Like, (laughs) you know, like he did not anticipate by the end of the day he would have taken a human life. But pushed to that extreme, maybe he breaks his own moral code to defend himself, defend others. And you don't always get away from that clean. Like, when we watch movies... And, uh, you know, good guy shoots the bad guy, good guy walks off into the sunset all happy and smiles, but you're going to have parts of that. So if you've got something, I guess what I'm trying to get at is if you've got something like that, maybe in the past he went against his better nature for one reason or another, and is now more of a pacifist when he's trying to deal with the world. Am I making sense? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I was just thinking, uh, last house on the left is a more extreme example of that. <laughs> like a totally chill family, and then they were like, "We're gonna microwave your head.
1: <laughs> we're microwave your head. I'm gonna we'll bite your deck off. This is gonna be a fucking problem. <laughs> fucked with the wrong house." Um. Yeah, I'd I'd like to expand on that a bit more. I wish I'd I'd written more notes regarding that chaotic evil, chaotic good. Are there other examples like that? So we can kind of ping that around for a minute.
0: I mean, there are other categories. There's a... Uh, I can't remember what the top category is. It's literally like a, almost like a chessboard is the yeah, way it's designed. I'm so kind of
1: familiar with the meme.
0: The top category is something along the lines of good. I can't remember what the actual phrase is. And then the middle category like, is true good. neutral. True uh, yeah, I don't remember to be honest. Uh, the middle category is neutral, and then the bottom category is chaotic, and then it goes left to right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like chaotic evil, chaotic neutral, chaotic good. Yeah. And then the same for like the other categories. So like neutral evil, neutral neutral, neutral good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I whatever the top category is. So it's kind of this like chessboard of like where is your character as far as like how erratic their decisions are. And then also how good or bad they are as a person. Yeah. So it's just kind of this fun playground of, like, is your character um, self-serving? Is your character, like, evil? Is your character good? He's evil
1: but for a purpose yeah. Yeah. type situation.
0: Yeah, and then how how consistent or erratic are their choices.
1: So you're going to have, like, the no country for old men. He'd be... He, he He's driven by a purpose, but he is evil.
0: So he'd be... Probably, whatever the top category is, evil.
1: Like the like good evil?
0: I'm going to have to look it up. I'd no, like it's legit. not that big of a deal. Oh, <laughs> I'm curious. I,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Computer, you Google it. I'll Google it. <laughs> you googly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. And my bad if they're um, gamer people or whatever out there listening.
1: Okay, so it looks like we've got... Oh, this is actually perfect if I can get my computer to play with me. Go away! Oh, the window's super small again. <laughs> How
2: do um, you have super small windows? So
1: they've got lawful, neutral, lawful. chaotic yeah. uh, for all of them. And let's see here if I recognize anybody. So our lawful good in this example, which would be the top left, is Superman, played by Christopher Reeves, yeah. and our chaotic evil is the Joker yeah. from the Dark Knight. That's about right. Your lawful evil looks like a Darth Vader type situation, and chaotic good um, being the guy from V for Vendetta. Chaotic neutral is uh, Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean.
0: Oh, Jack Sparrow.
1: Yeah, and I don't recognize these other guys here. Neutral evil's alien. That's cool.
0: Neutral evil is alien? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess that makes sense, but what a random pick.
1: (laughs) I can't remember the names of some of these office characters, but it looks like there's an office breakdown.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's a. I think if you're trying to do character development at a very base level, like that's, I guess, a fun place to start. Like, what is your character's moral compass? Yeah. And then, um, you know, I how think, much do they follow the law?
1: <laughs> I think my dude, by nature, and I can't give too many details away because I still don't have this thing fleshed out to the point where I've even started writing it and just... Doing the character development for now it would be in the chaotic, but I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy for certain decisions that could are being be made.
0: Chaotic neutral.
1: He could be chaotic neutral. <laughs> a memoir. <laughs> 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 he's just indifferent to whatever the fuck's happening around him. He's like, I'll help this guy. I'm gonna fuck that guy over. Or help <laughs> this dude. Um, another interesting thing, or what I I found interesting. Um. And this is where my Stephen King stuff's going to come back up because it was easier to find examples in my immediate memory uh, for these. Uh, physical and mental limitations. So, like, you've got, like, Mr. Glass, for example, from Unbreakable and stuff like that. He can't get out of his goddamn wheelchair. If he gets knocked over, he's dead. You know, <laughs> so, like, that's a hardcore limitation. Um, these are not the ones I have on my list, so I'm actually pretty proud of myself. <laughs> uh, Denzel Washington in that uh, one movie where he's paralyzed and he can't leave is a, another really good example. Where they're trying to solve the murder, but like he he's paralyzed in the bed, so like every scene with Denzel is just him in a hospital garney. I
0: don't know if I know what you're talking about. God damn it. I'm, I'm like maybe do, but it's one I of
1: my mom's favorite movies. Have no now idea. Now it's leaving me. <laughs>
0: To the computer, Batman. To
1: the computer. Uh, bone Collector. Oh,
0: yeah, I do know Yeah, that.
1: so in the Bone Collector, he's, he's paralyzed.
0: I did not remember that. Mm-hmm. Isn't the Bone Collector the one where the taxi driver's the killer?
1: I don't want to ruin anything, and I can't really remember. I just remember that he was paralyzed. <laughs>
0: You're like, I'm not going to comment, because <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure uh, that's the one where
1: the taxi driver's the killer. But some of the ones that I came up with while I was doing the notes... Um, Think like uh, Paul Edgecombe in The Green Mile. He's got the reoccurring UTI. So like the stress causes his UTI to flare up, and it's kind of a a poetic play on his manhood and like how he's dealing with the current situation. He can only handle X amount of stress, and then he's pissing razor blades. Um, Another one I have is Tom Cullen from The Stand, M-O-O-N. That spells (laughs) Tom Cullen. Yeah, like he's got this learning disability, but he is one of the... Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump type situation. Um, And then I had Clarice Starling, um, her PTSD from the Lambs and how that affects her dealings with Hannibal and how she has to kind of overcome the silence.
0: I feel like she's a good character for overcoming it, though. She ends up being... Mm -hmm pretty successful she's badass i hate that they recasted her though
1: they recasted her? oh that's I right the yeah, film, for, it's, yeah. uh, Julia... i thought you meant Moore? that they were redoing the silence of the lambs and i was like well we're Surprise! leaving here and we're driving to los angeles and we're making sure that doesn't happen
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't
1: know. no <laughs> nobody else gets to play hannibal except for anthony i don't know
0: i feel like two wasn't Impressive, And, like, the Hannibal show mm-hmm. wasn't bad. Like, that dude wasn't bad. I mean, it's a different phase of Hannibal's life.
1: And I didn't mind the prequel for Hannibal.
0: I don't think which, I ever saw that one.
1: Which is also another really good, Um, like, what are the limitations of the character in the moment? Because in the prequel, I think he's, the Nazis definitely ate his sister. <laughs> like that pretty much kicks off the, the whole fucking movie is him hunting down these nazis um but it's where he develops the cannibalism aspect of the character and how
0: were they starving why did they eat his sister yeah
1: yeah so they find they were bombing whatever town he was in i believe and his parents get killed and it's him and his kid's sister and uh they get snowed in real bad, and they can't. They, they eat all the food in the fucking house, and then they wind up eating his sister, I believe feeding parts of her to him. Gross. Um, So you get this loss of innocence, which can also be seen as like a, a disability um, and a direct flow into this monster that becomes Hannibal Lecter. One of the coolest death scenes involving a horse and a rope, but I will save it for you to go home and watch it on.
0: Yeah, I think you've shown me that one. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: But like those physical limitations or mental limitations um, I think can be very important. So for my magician dude, a lot of it has to do with he would have not had a formal education because he would have been in this transient traveler lifestyle. Um, So his vocabulary is limited. And because his vocabulary is limited, his ability to control these things that he does is also limited. Because he doesn't have like the skills to research exactly what it is he's doing. He doesn't know why these things are happening. He just tries to use them to his advantage um, as he goes along.
0: And I do think...
1: I can't do math.
0: <laughs> so that's my, <laughs> my
1: my big thing. My, my, I can't stand up fast. i, I got sciatica.
0: I don't numbers. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I think um, you know, movies like Hannibal Lecter, like Glass Mm -hmm. or Superman or any of those uh, are good but those are kind of extreme examples so I think if you're uh, like in your case you know the character just not having a very high level of education is like relatable but also something that could be fairly hindering.
1: Like, he works um, well with the traveler community because they're pretty much like him. So it's like when you hear two Creole people speak to each other and nobody else knows what the yeah. fuck they just said. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I, I think maybe, um, I guess if anyone out there is writing or trying to develop a character, maybe it's better to start with those smaller things instead of jumping into, like, extreme stuff where it's like, I'm invincible or yeah. I break every time I take a step, you know? Um Like you were saying, which I know you were joking um, Mm -hmm. or half joking with you not being able to do math. Um, Like I got in a pretty nasty car accident when I was a senior in high school Mm -hmm. and like it to this day like bothers me. Um, like I'm mostly okay if I'm driving, but if someone else is driving and it's like a windy road, like I get like a rush of anxiety. Yeah. Um,
1: Which was really fun in a Penske truck driving down the Great yeah. Divide.
0: It was terrible. <laughs> I hated that, and you didn't wash the window, so it was just covered in bug guts. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, it can be small stuff like that, but I mean, like, if your character is personally feeling like this intense anxiety or this intense struggle It can be really big for them even mm-hmm. though it seems small to everyone else um so yeah i mean like even small seemingly innocent things like i didn't really get hurt too bad whenever i had my car accident i was actually pretty lucky because i mm-hmm. it was a really bad accident but i i really didn't get hurt hardly at all but like that lasting anxiety is now like a part of my life. And so, yeah, it, I'm like, if it's a curvy road, I'm like, ah, i going to close my eyes and <laughs> white knuckle this door. In fact, if you want to pull over, I'll drive. Yeah. We'll just stop right here on the continental divide. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck traffic.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think those are all really good things to, to keep in consideration. Do you have any ideas on like, I've missed a bunch. I mean, you guys can go read articles that are, like, 30 items long. Like, what are your good qualities? What are your bad qualities? I just wanted to think a little bit outside of those to, like, the physical problems or traumas. And, like, as know. far
0: as characters go? Or... Yeah,
1: as far as characters go.
0: um, hmm.
1: Because Is there an important event, you know?
0: I mean, and what dreams may come her whole fucking family dies. (laughs) Spoiler alert.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) A little traumatic. (laughs) Turns out she could not deal with that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think that's a... Everybody deals with uh, situations and everybody deals with them differently. So I I think that's a pretty common experience, even if it's, you know, oh, I got in a little car accident and bumped my head or...
1: My whole family's dead. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, notes, if you were going to write a character, do you have any thoughts on, like, hey, you've got this guy, his name is Fred, he lives inside of your brain. What questions would you ask Fred to, like, have a better grasp of... Because I try to treat him like a real person that lives inside my head.
0: I mean, I would, like, especially not being a writer, like, I would probably personally... Fantastic, Fred. (laughs) 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 Um... I would probably start with, like, the general foundation, I think, if I were going to try to just, like, do, like, a character workup. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, are their parents alive? Do they have siblings? Do they have pets? Do they own a home?
1: Pets is a good one. Did he get bit by a dog when he was a child, and now he is afraid of dogs, yeah. so he owns cats? <laughs> yeah, you know? and, like,
0: yeah, did he go to school? Does he have a day job? Is mm-hmm. it a full-time job? Does he have a night job? Like, stuff like that. And then kind of build up to the smaller stuff. So, like, if he works two jobs to get by, does he work in a bad... Or does he live in a bad neighborhood? Yeah. Is he working two jobs so he can live in a nice neighborhood? So, like, kind of just expound on almost like a domino effect. If Mm -hmm. this is this situation, how is that affecting other aspects of their life?
1: In high school, was he a part of the theater club or did he hang out in the automotives department learning how to change tires? He was on
0: the football team and Mm -hmm. now he's a washed-up star. (laughs) Like, yeah. So, I don't know. There's, like, little... I think if you start with like really basic stuff you can kind of fall down rabbit holes of like develop thing developing the character mm-hmm. like in more complex ways. Like yeah, if they only had um sisters, for instance, mm-hmm. and like if they were a bit more effeminate, did people pick on them? Was he bullied? There you like go. Yeah. So like you you can kind of like I feel like build out from like really basic concepts mm-hmm. that are parts of everyone's life
1: big Lebowski. I'm trying to think. <laughs> does of, he abide? Does he abide? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, I was thinking like, how would you show? Cause I get a bit more play. I feel in like writing in a novel or a short story. I get a bit more of a, Hey, here's what's happening on the inside. Um, what are some ways do you think that you could show it? In film, and the reason why I said Big Lebowski is it's obvious at the beginning of the movie. He's here. He's buying his half and half. This is not the first half and half he's he bought.
0: Drinks out of the carton at the store. While
1: yeah, we're the <laughs> bathrobe. yeah. So like that is that opening scene. Bathrobe buying the half and half for his White Russians alone. Knows the fucking cashier guy But doesn't really have a relationship We know that he bowls Because he's got this already solidified group Of bowling friends So we can assume that he's been doing this for years Like those are good ways I guess to show Hey we didn't just meet Lebowski Lebowski's been a living entity And will continue after this movie is over Um, But there are movies Where it almost feels like they're trying to introduce New New aspects of a character's life as we're trying to learn about them so like we don't see Lebowski sign up for his first bowling thing and that's how he meets his friends that will you know go along this journey with him
0: I think most of the time
1: I don't know why I've got some weird examples
0: (laughs) I think most of the time if you're you know writing or shooting a film like you should have this foundation of who your character is but you're not dropping your viewers or readers Mm. or whatever In at the beginning you're dropping them in somewhere in the middle so like if
1: right before enticing action
0: (laughs) so if the characters um, dad is dead for instance Mm. like you have them at family dinner with an obviously empty seat and good move You know, you could have, like, portraits hanging in the background that you don't have to, like, go up and, like, aggressively show, like, here's a portrait, there used to be a dad, and the seat is now empty. Like, you don't have to be, like, aggressive about it, but just kind of have, like, passive stuff in the background where it's like, oh, like, family photos, and we're Mm -hmm. eating dinner alone, or... An empty doghouse, if they had a dog, that the dog is now dead. Like, the doghouse is still there, because nobody bothered to take the doghouse down, but there's no dog in the yard. Yeah, the
1: chain and poster there with the collar still attached in the grass.
0: Yeah, so, like, you, like, depending on whatever the thing is, like, you drop them off already in the middle. um, Mm -hmm. And these characters are already aware of the situation, so you don't have to, like, Chekhov's gun this thing, where it's like, I'm going to show you the dog, and then... Like, show you, you know, something implying the dog is going to get killed, and then we kill the dog. Like, the dog could just already be dead. It's already
1: gone. It's a recent trauma. The family might mention it in the first little, you know, opening moments of dialogue, and then you just leave it be, and you've established so much about that scene and about that family without ever really having to do much of anything. You know, comes home with the little cremation box and the dog collar. Gives the collar to the little boy. Puts the little cremation box on the fireplace, and voila! We've established that there's been a recent upset. It's probably gonna fuck with that kid for the remainder of this film.
0: Unless the incident itself is pivotal, like with Pet Cemetery, like the cat actively dying, yeah, is important or
1: hereditary. Like we wouldn't have been yeah. able to open on the driveway the next morning. Yeah. Like you have to have that for the impact. Yeah, the literal impact. Street pole. <laughs>
0: Can figure out what we did with that movie i still have no <laughs> idea where it went <clears throat> but yeah like if the incident isn't pivotal to the story you don't have to show it but if the incident is pivotal like set it up yeah of
1: course um so we'll get out of here the um last thing that i wanted to kind of go over is i've been really looking into this sub stack thing i think that i'm gonna try to um log some short stories and then open up a Substack where I can do stories and essays and stuff like that. And kind of engage with you guys. It's going to be a mostly free platform with like the monetization is almost a um, a tip jar. If you do want to, you know, help feed me or give me beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stealing uh, Polynyk's take on it. I think it would be cool. And I'm not 100% sold, so don't get your fucking hopes up. This novel that I'm trying to write right now either giving chapter by chapter of the rough draft for the paid subscribers or just doing essays about kind of what I'm learning as I'm writing it um, so that there can be a more direct engagement. If you guys think I'm smart, if you think I'm dumb, there's a comment section and you can tell me for free. (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to go over?
0: Uh, If you've noticed and you're curious, yes, we did change our podcast logo. Uh, It's Jax. It's (laughs) it's still us. That's just Jax.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The executive producer of the Mistakes Were Made podcast. (laughs) All right. So I love you, sweetheart. I
2: love you.
1: And I love you guys. And we will talk to you next week.